If you've been around church for a while, um, even if you're not, don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus this morning, uh, especially at this church, you will notice that we pray a lot in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people will make the sign of the cross around here. You don't have to do that, but I think most of us get God, get the concept. Most of us get Jesus, God the Son, but the Holy Spirit often draws a sort of experiential blank. Doesn't mean we don't know the doctrine and maybe we don't understand how it's part of the Trinity, one God, three persons, all that kind of stuff, but experientially it's like, I don't know what to do with that. Where does that fit in my life? So we're doing a five-part series called Full of the Holy Spirit. It's one of our core values here at Church of the Resurrection. Bishop Stewart kicked it off last week with a great sermon, so I encourage you to listen to that on our podcast. But this morning, I want to talk about a really simple, although it's a lifelong kind of thing and it's risky, I want to talk about a really accessible way, though, to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. And it's simply this. We experience the power of the Spirit through life in the church, through life in his body on earth, through the spiritual gifts that God has given me, through the spiritual gifts he's given you, through the spiritual gifts he's given each other, we experience a manifestation of the power of the Spirit. That's what Paul said in this passage, this first passage you read in verse 7, and it's on the cover verse. And let me just read it because it's kind of the key verse. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You experience the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good through the gifts of others. Let me give you a couple of examples. So my first church I pastored, 1988 to 1996, there's this wonderful people in Barnum, Minnesota, a town of 460, home of the Barnum Bombers, just north of Moose Lake, Minnesota on I-35, just south of Duluth, and the wonderful farm couple six miles on County Road East, Kay and Willis Finnefrock. I know they're legendary to some of you, but let me talk about them again. So Kay is... She would invite you over for what they call in Minnesota, rural Minnesota, a little lunch. A little lunch includes things like roast beef, mashed potatoes and gravy, homemade rolls, homemade jam, sweet corn fresh from the farm, slathered in butter, apple pie, banana cream pie, coffee, maybe some more pie. It's like an after, it's like a day-long thing. When you're with Kay, though, you're not just eating you are experiencing this profound love of Jesus through her gift of hospitality, her spiritual gift of hospitality. Kay would tell you, my house is not fancy. She always talks about how we haven't had new carpet in 25 years. We haven't had a new kitchen table in 25 years. Everything's the same. But you experience so much the love of Jesus in her home and in her presence. It is, there is what some Christians would call an anointing on her hospitality. It is a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let me tell you another story. So last year I was in Brazil in October, and I, I did this really stupid, like, um, well, it wouldn't be stupid if I was 25, but I did this really stupid move for a 58-year-old guy jumping backwards off a wall, and I landed squarely on my bad left knee where I had ACL surgery when I was 18, and it just completely buckled, like I could hear something tearing, like a sound. 
Yeah, I've had that happen before, and I know this is really bad. So I'm sprawled out on the ground, writhing in pain. A couple Brazilian girls came over with their camera, and they were videoing me. It's like, <laughs> white tourist, writhing on the ground. This'll, be, this'll get some likes. Um, anyway, that's not really part of the story. But the knee started blowing up. Like, I got ice on it right away, but it's, it's blowing up like a, a softball, a Chicago-style softball, <laughs> Polish-style softball, you know what I mean? That night I go to a service at the church of Archbishop Miguel Ochoa, who's going to be hopefully our guest here in October in uh, Hasifi, Brazil. And this woman asks if she can pray for me, this young woman. I thought, well, can't hurt, so I let her pray for me. She starts speaking very rapidly, very intensely in Portuguese, and her, her hands are on my knees, and her hands are like shaking like this. And she's, her whole body's shaking as she's praying for me. And I'm feeling, as the bishop would know, I'm feeling, this is uncomfortable. This is beyond my comfort zone. So I wake up the next morning, absolutely no pain. Now my knee's still swollen, but we didn't pray for the swelling, we just prayed for the pain. I thought, shoot, I should have asked for the swelling, too. <laughs> I undershot it. But that was a manifestation of the power of the Spirit through what our text calls a gift of healing or a work of miracles. You see how these gifts manifest the power of the Spirit. As Paul opens this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, he's writing to this church in a specific place, a specific time. He says, I do not want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. And as I read this passage, there's really three things that just sort of pop up. Just they, they come up so clearly in this text that he wants us to be informed about. One is the variety of the gifts. Secondly is the source of the gift. And, and third thing is the purpose of the gifts. So let me talk about the varieties of the gift. Verse 4 that you heard read, it says, in the English it says, now there are varieties of gifts with the same spirit, varieties of service, varieties of activities. Literally, in the original Greek language, it reads like this. Varieties of gifts there are, but the same spirit. Varieties of service there are, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities. Varieties comes first for emphasis. That sounds really um, awkward in English, so that's why I can see why they translate it that way. But varieties is first to emphasize the fact that the Holy Spirit has an amazing variety of gifts to give out to his people. Varieties there are. Now, there are five different lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible in the New Testament. None of them are the same. And I get the impression that the Bible is not trying to give us a comprehensive once for all, this is it. This is the only ones you're going to get. It's one of these 20 on these five lists. But it's more, these, are, these lists are more local, they're more organic, they're more ad hoc, almost to say, these are the gifts that this church has at this point in time. There could be more. There could be different ones. So be open. There is a variety. It makes sense, right? I mean, you look at what God has done in creation. You see the variety of creation. Do you know, for instance, there are over 30,000 species of orchids? I just like, I geek out over this stuff. I find this really fascinating. So not just, you think, oh, there's a lot of flowers, and then there's orchids. No, there's 30,000 kinds of orchids. And then you think, well, there's a lot of animals. There's a lot of insects. 
No, there's a lot of beetles. There are 350,000 species of beetles. That's why when I was in eighth grade, I want to be an entomologist when I grow up. I just want to specialize in beetles. As one philosopher said, God seems to have an inordinate fondness for beetles. <laughs> 350,000 kinds of beetles. So you would think that when he gives out spiritual gifts, there's going to be a variety. Let me give you a few examples of some of these gifts we know for sure. I mean, it's best to start with the gifts that are actually in the Bible. That's a great place to start. So in this passage, Paul lists some that the church in Corinth had. So verse 8, he talks about to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Now, I think the best way to define wisdom is that it's the ability to proclaim the truth, God's truth, into specific lives and contexts. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that's not just limited to preachers, that's not just limited to what we do inside the church. Actually, a lot of these gifts can be used outside the church. They're not just for us inside church walls. So you could proclaim, you could have an utterance in, in the field of in artistic expression, or scientists maybe are proclaiming the truth of God into their discipline, or economists are proclaiming truths of God that are true to Scripture and true to creation. Another gift Paul mentions is the gift of faith. Somebody has defined faith as it's the gift of trusting God in the dark when all odds are against you or a loved one. It's trusting God in the dark. I do not have this gift. This is not one of my spiritual gifts. I often live like somebody out of a Dostoevsky novel, you know? I don't know if you've read Dostoevsky, but just sort of Russian, dark, brooding, doubting, skeptical, questioning. I need to be around people that have a gift of faith. I found those people in my life. I like, I need you, I need you, please don't leave me. Verses 9 and 10, gifts of healing and miracles. Now it's interesting that Paul says gifts of healing. He doesn't say, for instance, I think this is important, he doesn't say some people are faith healers. That's not what he says. So there is not like one personality that's got this gift of healing wherever they go. Be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. It's more like there's gifts of healing that he might give to anybody at any time. So anytime somebody's healed, it's a gift of healing. Same with miracles. Now, some Christians think that these more spectacular gifts of like healing and miracles have ceased. There's a word for these, these there's a theological word for these. These people are called cessationists. So their gifts, certain gifts have ceased. Now, I have a lot of respect for some of these people. Some of these people are my friends. But I got to say, in my travels around the world, this idea of cessationism that some gifts have ceased is a very Western idea. I have never found it in Africa. I have never found it, well, I haven't traveled a lot in South America, but I've never found it there. I didn't find it in Papua New Guinea when I was there. They would look at you and go, what? You, you believe that? Where'd you get that idea? That's crazy. Our friend Mark Mukan from Nigeria, he's often, he's seen healings. He tells us these stories. He will always start with me, Mott, Mott, he calls me, Mott. And he will look up like this, it has been decreed in the heavens that God is going to heal this person. 
And I think, oh, I didn't get that message. But Mark, he sees it. There's a gift of prophecy. Bishop Stewart's going to spend a whole week on that, so I'm not even going to touch that. So he knows more about that than I do. So verse 28, you go down. the, And again, I'm giving you a variety. There's a gift of helping. A gift of helping. Isn't that great? Such a, you'd think, well, that's such a mundane gift. No, it's not. We had this guy on Long Island. Uh, I was right by a university town, so we had these, all these uh, professors there. Or most of the prof- a lot of professors were in leadership. They're great, great men, great women. But, and I was like them, too. I, was, I had similar characteristics. We'd like to study things. We'd like to research. We'd like to uh, you know, come up with policies, and we'd love to debate things. And there was a guy named Danny Blanco who's ex-Marine, uh, blue-collar guy, worked for the highway department. He would just go upstairs while we were having our meeting and doing our committee, and he'd uh, figuring out how we are going to fig- configure the upstairs arrangement for such and such an event. And boom, in 20 minutes, he'd have it done. That guy had an anointing on his gift of helping. We needed that gift. Let me tell you just a few more. Administration. There's a gift of administration. The original word there means to, uh, it was referred to a pilot or a captain of a ship. Somebody that leads, somebody that charts a course and then gets you to the destination. Now, there's someone at our church that you hardly ever get to see because she's hardly ever up front. But Pastor Amy Patton has the gift of administration. She is like a pilot. She can take you places. She actually pilots things. She piloted our res groups. Gift of hospitality. I love how at the end of this, in in, uh, verses 8 through 10, the Apostle Paul, notice that he does this. He says, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, to another by the faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by the one Spirit. He says this phrase, to another, nine times. It's almost like he's seen people at the church at Corinth and he's going, Ah, yeah, to another, there's that gift. 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 This explosion of the variety of gifts. Your gift manifests the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to do something now. I'm going to ask you to do something. This is very African. This is very African. And uh, so uh, they would love this. I'm going to tell them we did this. You did this. So I want you to turn to your neighbor... And I want you to say, your gift manifests the Spirit. Ready? Turn to your neighbor and say that. Very good. I know that was a stretch for some of you. It would have been a stretch for me a couple years ago. So, Your gift manifests the Spirit. There's variety to the gifts. There's also a, Paul also wants us to know about the source of the gift. Look at it in verses 4 through 6. He says, the same Spirit... The same Lord, talking about Jesus, the same God and Father. There is one source for all these gifts. Uh, Father Stephen Godier, I, I love the phrase he taught me from church history, is the, what's called the common operation of the Trinity. That all Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are always on the same page. There's always a common operation. And they're always involved in the works of redemption and salvation and, and the the freedom of life in the church. Notice verse 11. It says, all of these, talking about all of these gifts, are not only, they have the same source, but the same power source. They're all empowered 
by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. God empowers all the gifts. So every gift, no matter if it looks really ordinary or mundane or not that phenomenal, not that spectacular, not that jazzy pizzazzy, is supernatural, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It could be like a talent that you have. Maybe before you were a Christian, it was a talent. Maybe you've always been good at administration. Maybe you've always loved to help. But it gets empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's like if you've ever built a fire, like a campfire, or um, a fire in your home, or a fire pit, and you're, you're struggling to get it going. So it's lit, everything's in place, but it's just not really catching. So you get down and you, and all of a sudden, there's this ignition. And it doesn't like, pow, like this, but it just, it ignites. And there's something different now because there's been this blowing of wind on it. So when Kay Finnefrock practices hospitality in Barnum, Minnesota, there's a poof. There's a breath of the Spirit on that. When Danny Blanco is using his gift of helping, there's a poof. The Holy Spirit is working there. When that young woman in Brazil prayed for my knee, there was a work of the Holy Spirit. It's all supernatural because it's the results, the impact are beyond what you could do. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. So there's a variety of gifts, but they all come from the same source. And there's a very clear purpose for these gifts. Verse 7 again, they are given to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. They are given to be a blessing to all of us. They are given to be a blessing to the world. Your gift is not given for yourself. It's given for God the Spirit to manifest himself through you. So the question to ask is not, what is my special gift? But the question to ask is, what are the opportunities in my life right now where I have a chance to receive from others their spiritual gifts, and what are the chances, what are the opportunities I have to serve others? I would say, don't worry too much about finding your spiritual gift. Just start serving Jesus. Start serving his church. Start serving the Lord where you work. Start serving the Lord, or continue to do that. And allow the, ask the Lord to work through you wherever you are, and to equip you to apportion you for the gifts that you need right now. That's the purpose of the gift. And when we understand the purpose, that the purpose is to, that the, God apportions them just as he wants to for his good purposes, for the good of the common good, it delivers us from two really fatal ways of thinking, not only about spiritual gifts, but about our lives. The first is what I'm, I'll call the sin of inferiority. And the second one's the sin of superiority. The sin of inferiority, so this goes on in 1 Corinthians 12. You get to verse 15. Paul says this. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less 
a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So let's imagine you're a foot. You say, oh man, that hand, she's so fine, that hand. My gosh, she can play the piano. She can sprinkle salt on her Brussels sprouts. She can shoot a basketball. I can't do any of that. I'm just a foot. I get bunions. I get athlete's foot. That's a fungus. I get toe jam. Never heard of a hand getting a bunion or toe jam. I wish I was a hand. Everybody loves the hand. Paul says, wait a minute. Imagine the whole body was a hand, just one big hand. Imagine you woke up tomorrow, your wife, your husband, your roommate, they're a five foot, six foot two hand. You would think you're in a horror movie. <laughs> ah, the hand, no. The attack of the hands, part one, part two, part three, I can see it now. Paul says, look what Paul says. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smelling, or the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? You wouldn't have a body. You just have a part. In verse 18 he says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Now there's, this is hard to accept. But once we get to this place of acceptance, that God has arranged me, he has given me the gifts that I need, and he's put them all together for the common good, I can relinquish the sin of inferiority. There's also the sin of superiority. So Paul goes on. Verse 21, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So the first sin is I do not belong. The second sin is I don't need you. I don't need those gifts. I got everything I need. The ear can't look down on the foot and go, why you no good, toe jam and foot. I don't need you. That's wrong, Paul says. You know, my 25 years as a pastor, one of the reasons why people leave churches, and it's not, it's, it's not the only one, it's probably not the most common one, but it's one of the reasons, is that people, honestly, they say, I don't know, if they, they wouldn't say it this way, but really their attitude is, I'm too good for those people. I don't want to be around those people. I can't work with those people. I can't live for Jesus with those people. And I'm not talking about being really hurt or wounded by a church. I'm not, that's a separate thing that I'm not going to deal with. I understand there's that, and that really hurts, and that should never happen. I'm talking about this attitude of superiority. Look at verse 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Look at how the triune God operates. He's put the church together intentionally, by design, so that the weaker looking, what we would call less impressive, 
members of the body are indispensable. They are indispensable gifts, indispensable teachers. So you hear about an unborn child growing in its mother's womb. That member of the body is indispensable. You hear about a mother, maybe that's in a crisis with her pregnancy. She is indispensable to us. You see a child with disabilities. That child is indispensable. You see somebody with chronic illness, chronic pain. They are indispensable. You see the, the poor that maybe can't make it, can't afford a bad day, can't afford any bad luck. They're indispensable to us. You see somebody that's maybe you think is not as educated, and they hold some kind of crude views about the world. Or maybe somebody that's too educated in your mind. They are indispensable. Let me just pause. Have you been carrying around a sin of inferiority, a mindset of inferiority, like that what you have doesn't matter, that what you have is not important, that what you have is not as good as what somebody else has? Have you been carrying around a, a sin or a mindset of superiority, that what you have is better, what you have is superior? I just, I feel like just this might be a time for some of you to just lay down that sin. I've had both of them in my life at different times. To lay down that sin, you know, there's a reason why we have the cross here, because we really believe that Jesus died for our sins. 